Eric Von Crumley. And I'm Romy Reyes. Have you ever wondered how a book becomes a movie? Or how a movie becomes a musical? Or how anything is adapted at all? Join us as we talk about your favorite stories and all the changes that were made along the way. But more importantly, why? This is Willing to Adapt. Hi, welcome back to Willing to Adapt. I'm Eric Von Crumley. And I'm Romy Reyes. And I realize I start this podcast the same way every time. <laughs> How are you doing, Romy? I'm doing good. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've been putting this episode off a little bit. We had a lot going on, but glad we finally got to it. Yep, finally. I am going to be very honest with all you listeners out there. Tonight was more of just a, it's just a fun one. Um, Romy and I have a lot of reading for this podcast we have to do. Um, you'll find out in future episodes, or maybe you've already found out. Um, I don't know if you are in tune enough, but we don't necessarily air these in the order that we recorded them. <laughs> Is that right? That's very true. Yeah, I was editing the some of the podcast episodes, and I got to The Secret of an M1, and it was from two years ago. <laughs> So I was trying to edit out references to, like, 2021. What did we say? It was things like, you know, last year during quarantine, I was like, oh, no. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Should have just kept them. But it was so confusing. <laughs> but we have a lot to read um, for this podcast. Um, we have a couple of really long novels in there. I think just to save on sanity and make sure we're, bu- we're still busting out episodes, we decided, you know what, let's just do an easy one where we can just watch a couple movies. So today's uh, a little different. Do you want to explain to the listeners what we're doing today, or shall I? So this time around, we instead of looking at a book and then the movie adaptation, we're actually looking at a movie and then an adaptation that was done of that movie. Yep. Uh, should I say what the movie is? <laughs> Go ahead. So the movie is Strangers on a Train, an uh, Alfred Hitchcock movie. One I had not actually seen prior to this. Really? Yes. But you like Alfred Hitchcock. I do. My exposure to Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock started with re, not reruns. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, reruns on like KCT or Channel 5 or 13, whatever it is for us. I forget that. KCO, uh, whatever KCT? it is. KCT? No, that's PBS. Channel 5. KTLA. Be, uh, KTLA and Channel 13. So anyway, for us in, uh, in Southern California, they would Does usually watch TV anymore. My parents. Uh, I, know, ah. I know people who do. So, and they would air, I think, the same three movies more or less over and over. So, Rear Window, The Birds, oh, window. Psycho, and every now and, then, now and then I would see North by Northwest, but I never actually sat and watched it. So, the it's other not three. not my favorite. I, I really am not a fan of North by Northwest. Okay, I've never seen I've never seen that one. So, I grew up watching those three over and over again. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew to like, I like those three. You've so never I figured, seen Vertigo? I think they would play that one too, but I, no, I never watched it. It's good. It's just long and it's a little slow at times. Oh, okay. So you would have hated it as a kid. Probably. But now I think, now I actually want to sit and go through his library, all the different movies he made. Mm-hmm. And we should explain if the title of this podcast did not give it away to the listeners. Um, we are not talking about how Strangers on a Train was adapted from a book to a movie, even though it was. Today, um, like I said, we're doing a little easy, and we wanted to do something a bit more fun, and uh, especially since we just did Much Ado About Nothing not too long ago. But so we're talking today about how Strangers on a Train was adapted, and I should say maybe a little bit more inspired 
by and how it was turned into uh, Throw Mama from the Train, the 1987 movie. Yes. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I'm... I literally look over at you and I'm like, you want to input here? And you're just <laughs> Sorry. like, yes. There's a light blinking on one of our recording things here and I'm trying to figure out why that is. It's bugging me. But anyway, I'll put that aside for now. We're recording, so I'm it's gonna not leave that this important. in editing. I'm just gonna let listeners hear this. <laughs> it's the background stuff that goes on. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what you just said, I agree. Oh okay. <laughs> Strangers on a train and then mm-hmm. the comedy, which I watched both. So Okay. That was another one I had so, not watched. I know they're very different. Yes, they are. So this is a dumb question, but which one did you like more? That's kind of hard to answer just because one's a comedy and one's not. One's uh, a thriller. One's a thriller, yes. And Well, let me do a yeah. let me do a brief synopsis. Unless you have one ready. You know me. Go ahead. I, I do know you. That's why I have one ready. <laughs> Next time I will have a synopsis ready. Okay. I'm reading from Wikipedia. <laughs> Strangers on a Train is a 1951 American psychological thriller film noir produced and directed by Alfred Hitchcock. And it's based on the 1950 novel Strangers on a Train by Patricia Highsmith, which we will not be talking about today. It was shot in the autumn of 1950 and it was released by Warner Brothers on June 30th, 1951, starring Farley Granger, Ruth Roman, and Robert Walker. It made a it had a budget of $1.6 million and it made $7 million in the box office. So that's pretty good. It had mixed reviews at first, but um, over time it's been like, critically acclaimed. Anyways, the plot summary for this one is Guy Haynes is a well-known amateur tennis player who wants to go into politics in his post-tennis life. He is equally well-known in the society papers as a man who wants to divorce his wife in order to marry Anne Morton, the refined daughter of a state senator. Bruno Antony is a charming, gregarious man who lives off his father's wealth. He's also a sociopath who loves his mentally childlike mother, but detests his father, who wants to have him restrained. Guy and Bruno meet one day on a train. Their social chit-chat, directed by Bruno, leads to a discussion of what Bruno considers the perfect murders. Each of the two strangers kill the other's problem person as each killer would have no motive or ties to the person murdered. As Guy and Bruno part, Guy believes Bruno's talk was just social social chit-chat, but Bruno believes they have a pact and goes ahead with his murder. Guy knows Bruno committed murder, but doesn't feel he can go to the police with a fantastical story, which he thinks will implicate himself more. The situation gets worse for Guy as Bruno starts inserting himself in Guy's life to pressure Guy into keeping to his supposed end of the bargain. Guy must figure out what to do to free himself, not kill anyone, and keep those around him safe. Bruno has Guy's personalized cigarette lighter, which he is threatening to use to implicate Guy if Guy doesn't comply with his part of the deal. So how did you like the movie? I really liked it. Um, It was a lot more suspenseful than i anticipated it to be and a lot darker okay so this was your first time watching for this podcast it was yes i think i watched it for the first time maybe a couple years ago okay i really feel like i might have watched it for the first time during covid quarantine when i had a lot of time Mm -hmm. but i'm not sure 
Okay. I know it was more recent compared to some of his other movies, but um, yeah, no, I, I love this movie. Obviously, I'm the one that came up with doing it for the podcast. It's, yeah, because yeah, I didn't even know it was an adaptation or that the second movie was an adaptation of it. I thought they were unrelated, to be honest. Okay. Do you want to talk a little bit about this movie before we move on to Throw Mama from the Train? Yeah, no, definitely. All right. Give me your thoughts. My thoughts. Yes. So. Romy's thoughts. Romy's thoughts. Coming up at 11. That's going to be a, a special segment. I'm just going to give my thoughts on things in general. So, overall, I, I think it was it was definitely a lot more intense than I was expecting it to be. I think in, in my mind, because I had... Uh, I was basing what I, I thought it would be like based on the previous three movies I've watched before. <laughs> and having watched those three over and over again, I think the suspense has kind of gone away. The birds and rear window and psycho, and so I was actually pleasantly surprised that despite how the film is, I mean, it's not a new film, it definitely maintained its uh suspense value, like the I don't want to call it shock value, whatever you want to call it. The mm -hmm. it held it holds up, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, for sure, and yeah. a lot of what I think has come to be known as kind of I don't want to say they're cliched, but they're standard kind of cinematography of uh, of Hitchcock. I didn't see a lot of that in this, or maybe I missed it. He definitely has a lot of artistic choices, though, with his um, his shots. Yes. I think the most obvious one is when Bruno is strangling Guy's wife, Miriam. Mm -hmm. Her glasses fall off, and then a shot of the glasses and is reflecting the strangling. Yes. I guess um, they had to make a really crazy big oversized glasses to do that shot oh wow i didn't know that okay. yeah <laughs> there's a lot of things like that that he did he does um he he has some very interesting ideas for his shots i guess there was a an original writer that was working with him on this who um did not get along well with him at all oh wow um and, and one of the things that he ended up complaining about to somebody else about albert hitchcock is how like Alfred Hitchcock's too focused on finding really pretty shots and not character development. Oh. And he was saying, he's like, I want to pay attention to what their characters need and not trying to get a pretty shot from underneath the champagne glass upside down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, that was, that was one of the shots I did pick up on. And I remember thinking to myself as I was watching it about how I, I still to this day like directors or uh, cinematography and movie when they, when they can leave things to the imagination more so than actually showing a spectacle. Um, for some well, reason, the word's not coming to mind, but like in today's, today's movie, you would be, they would show you the strangling. Well, everything's shown now. And yeah. I, and that's. It, I feel like it, it's it's not as I'm not going to go down that I'm not going to I'm not just going to complain out of me. No, no, but I I resonate with that with that with your you know what you're trying to say is that mm -hmm. and and I love when I'm watching a lot of um, artfully done films mm -hmm. in which they like sure he didn't get the other writer didn't get along with him as a viewer I appreciated a lot of his those little beautiful shots. Yeah, well, somebody said that it actually worked out really well for him because. We're able to take in what's happening as an audience mm. because of the artistic shot. It helps us take in what's happening, and and we're not. Um, I can't. I can't remember what the quote was. But it was something along the lines of because we're viewing it not from a normal perspective, but through like a weird artistic perspective. Mm -hmm. We're able to take in what's happening 
and we can stomach it okay. as an audience, mm-hmm. but at the same time, yeah, I don't remember. I'm I'm sorry, I, I forgot the quote, but it it helps with stomaching what's happening, and but it also gives a gravity to the situation that yeah. wouldn't have been there yeah. otherwise. No, I agree. I agree, and it's it was between the the suspense of it uh, and the the cinematography and all of that. I I found myself just sitting there anticipating what was going to happen, you know, what the next scene was going to be, uh, how they were going to resolve stuff, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's rare because I watched a movie the other night, kind of I was forced to. Uh, someone put it on, and I just remember thinking to myself, they don't make movies like that. It's <laughs> I know true. it's cliche, but they don't make movies like that. Mo- well, to. most people don't. I think I think there are still some directors who are trying, but it's clearly a different audience and a different Hollywood. And yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a reason why this movie went from the not straight from theater to streaming, but it. I think in less straight than six from months. Theater to streaming. Well, it went from I think it was in the theaters for maybe about two months, maybe longer. They didn't have streaming back then. No, no, no. I meant the one I was watching. Oh, it was a okay. recent film. Okay. It was okay. a recent film. No, 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 not this one. No, the recent film, and uh, it, it tells you a lot about the quality of the film and the fact that it went from theaters to streaming in less than six months. Oh yeah, I mean, that, that's nowadays it, it hits streaming while it's still in theaters. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But in this case, I it, after watching a few minutes of the film, I was like, mm, mm-hmm. no. Did you notice that in Strangers on a Train, um, Alfred Hitchcock's daughter is in it? No, I didn't know who she is. She plays Barbara. Really? Yeah, Anne's sister with glasses. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't realize that was his daughter. daughter. Okay, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> yeah, she's. I, I know she's in at least one other Alfred Hitchcock movie. It's called Stage Fright. Okay. It came out, um, I think, a few years after this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if she's in more, but I, I, just, I love that she's in this. And I did. I did like speaking of, the, of Barbara. That was another thing that I think was intriguing was the idea of the killer of Bruno being triggered by mm-hmm. the glasses. Yeah, like a guilt trip. Yeah, yeah. And just by seeing the glasses and how he almost choked that the the rich lady. I know that's so. It's such an interesting scene. <laughs> and and overall, the character just kind of I think from a psychological perspective, I mean, he was pretty much a psychopath. Oh yeah, for sure yeah. from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie just opens with, with them meeting. You know, I thought it was interesting, and this is a little random, but um, I guess in the original novel, and, and they tried to carry it into this, um, there were a lot of um, like homosexual undertones okay. for, for Bruno. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted to maintain that in the film, but you know, with the censorship of the day, it was very difficult. Mm. And so they, they worked with the actor to make it so that there were enough um, mannerisms and things so that you could get the idea that he was a homosexual, mm-hmm. which I find very interesting because it does make some sense if, um, based on like how into guy he was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, I think he does a great job. Um, Albert Hitchcock does a great job of slowly peeling back the layers for Bruno mm-hmm. so that we can understand like how he is the way he is. I mean, in many ways, I felt there was. I, I've seen that type of character before on mostly TV shows, usually mystery shows and stuff like that. But it's the stereotypical rich kid who's grown up, but Kinda still like a mama's boy. Yeah, and it, and who doesn't get along with his dad, mm-hmm. and he just wants to live the life that he's used to living. 
but he I, doesn't want to work and but even seeing the same what would it be like a trope is that what it would be called yeah. well it's hard because it's like was this a trope before alfred hitchcock or after because well, of him you know? even if it was being even i think his the way he wrote it or directed mm-hmm. it in the movie it still was fresh enough for me to enjoy the story and sure. not see it as a well, replay of something I've seen before. Either. Like, there's mm-hmm. definitely moments where you watch it and you kind of feel bad for him. Yeah. But he's almost childlike, you know? Like, he, like it's almost like he doesn't know what he's doing, but he clearly is more sinister than he seems. Is he intelligent? I mean, he seems to be. Like, he's intelligent enough. He's intelligent enough. It, it just almost seems like he has like a developmental problem, you know, like, mm, okay. like it seems like he can plan out things well, but like he, he gets like too caught up in the moment. And mm-hmm. so like things will happen and he's, he's not, not prepared for them. Yes. Especially the, the one, the scene I was telling you about before we started recording with the lighter, the lighter. Yeah. Cause I think when he's kind of unraveling there, you get a really strong sense of what, what happens when the control is gone? Mm-hmm. Well, he, he definitely needs control. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I think he, I think he likes having that control over guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, just creepily showing up everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the best scene in this movie that really makes the movie for me is the finale mm-hmm. with the carousel. Yeah. Yeah. That I did not expect. Really? I, I kind mean, of it does come out of left field. Yes. I, I honestly expected them to corner him in line getting ready to go over to the island. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I thought that's where it was gonna end. So the next thing when he's running for the carousel and then the well, whole... You have to have a climax. It has to be a big climax. Yeah, I realize that now, but at the time I was like I I, I was like, wow, okay. Um I think for me the the only Part that was kind of like a little bit out of reality for me was the shooting into the crowd. Okay, yeah. I when that happened, I was like, okay, really, <laughs> really, like the guy's jumping on a carousel and you're gonna you're gonna shoot him with kids and right you know, there. women there. Yeah, I had the same reaction. I want to just say like maybe it was a little different back then, but I, I will also say the guy who was the other cop who was with him mm-hmm. also is like, stop, what are you doing? Oh, okay. So it is. It, it did. It did seem like it was just a bad choice. And, and they just happened to kill yeah. the operator. Yeah, and it was the. It was the because he had two guys tailing him. He had like a day guy and a night guy. I remember. Yeah. yeah. And which I thought was so funny. Like he's got he's got a tail on him like for weeks. Mm-hmm. It seems like. But, anyways, because um, I think the day guy likes guy. Mm-hmm. The day tail likes guy. And the night tail did not like Guy. He didn't trust Guy. Yes. And so it was the night tail that sh- tried to shoot him. And it was the day uh, the okay. day tail that pulled it. Like, so it said, like, what are you doing? Okay. I'm, that scene went by so fast, I couldn't remember. It did go by play. fast. Yeah. 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 And then, I, I, I know if this was like a contemporary movie. So, I mean, of course, we have spoilers at this point. It's been how long? And so... <laughs> They have the 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 carny guy going underneath the carousel. Well, we didn't even say what happened. We just said it's the climax. Yeah. So in the in the climax, if you haven't seen the movie, um, they they try to shoot guy, and it ends up hitting the guy who's running the carousel, and so the carousel um, ends up going super fast, and like the kids and people are stuck on it, and it's this like climactic battle where guy and Bruno are fighting each other on this like whirlwind carousel, and 
like you're saying the guy there's a, a guy who who like volunteers to go underneath the carousel to stop it but he breaks it too quickly and so it goes off the rails and it, it crashes and yeah it's really fun to watch it's it's really good it's very dramatic um my dad was kind of laughing at it a little bit but <laughs> but um and then it, it like pins Bruno at the end and and there's this moment where he like he says he doesn't have the lighter but then when he dies his hand opens and he does have the lighter and so it helps um absolve guy I, I know I was kind of I was kind of worried he wasn't he was actually telling the truth and didn't have it and mm-hmm. they would still he would I, I was kind of gearing up for a potential tragic ending thankfully it didn't end that way well I I like that they hint early on that the one um carney like noticed bruno yeah and how and how weird and he was behaving when he the night he killed miriam mm-hmm. and then he remembers him when he came back and so he calls he tells the police that he was the one who did it yeah no that was that was helpful i kind of figured that's like i figured he wouldn't have the lighter mm-hmm. and either it was going to end tragic or they would have to rely on the testimony of that guy yeah i think the one thing i really didn't like about the movie. I mean, I love the movie. It's great. I've watched it again. I've seen it at least three times. But the one thing I don't like about the movie is I feel like I feel like Guy doesn't do much to to help his case. No. Yeah. Like he he. I like that his well his girlfriend, I guess, and and Barbara. I love that they're so helpful. Mm-hmm. Like I love that they really care about him and they try to help him. Um, but other than working with them to like sneak back to get the lighter mm-hmm. at the end. And then the only other thing he does is he pretends like he's going to kill Bruno's dad. And then he plans to tell Bruno's dad that Bruno wants him killed. Yeah. But obviously it doesn't work out because Bruno was there and his dad wasn't. And But I feel like, I feel like if I was in this situation, I would be trying to come up with a plan or something, you mm-hmm. know, because you can't live this way forever. Yeah. Like clearly this guy has something over you and you need to get out of this. But I just I just I just got frustrated at that. I was like, are you just gonna like try to live day to day here? Like what's going on? That was my only real complaint about the movie. Okay. I think for yeah, no, I kind of agree. That the, the I I was thinking at times, why don't you tell like what is the, I can't remember the girlfriend's name. Anne. Anne. Um why don't you tell Anne? It would be a lot more helpful if you had someone to help you out. I think I, I get why he didn't though. I, I think it's in, in his mind to protect her. But well, and then I think he's he even said at one point that he was worried that like she wouldn't believe him because he anybody he would tell would just automatically believe that he had some part in the murder because he had such a strong motive. Yeah, I mean, and they did. He kind of, they they did put that in the movie when she was yeah. kind of. Did you? Yeah. Did you know? Uh, well, and I think that what I think Alfred Hitchcock does well is. He he really hints at what the characters are thinking and feeling without telling you. Mm, like there's okay. times where you can see that Anne is piecing it together. Yeah, like she 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 notes um, Bruno's um, fancy um, tie clip with his name on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she notices a couple times and she realizes, okay, this isn't adding up, and this guy's just been here before, and um, all that. Mm-hmm. And then she starts to piece together like what actually happened, and then she doesn't do anything at first because. She still loves Guy, but she's not sure how to respond, and mm-hmm. she's worried that he actually did do it, or like he had paid this guy to do the murder or whatever. And but you pick it all up from just facial expressions and and all that, and I I I, I appreciate that. 
Yeah, no, I was about to say that the facial expressions are part of. I don't know if it's from the movies of the time, but I know when the Alfred Hitch, the Hitchcock movies I've watched, uh, the actors tend to use a lot of facial expressions to. For sure. Yeah. And I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think because we're talking about two very different movies tonight. Yeah. Let's, um, unless you have anything more major you want to talk about Strangers on a Train, um, let's save our favorite character from this one. Okay. Go ahead. Do you have anything else you need to talk about for Strangers on a Train? Nothing comes to mind right now. Okay. I mean, I'm sure we'll think of something when we talk about Throw Mom from the Train. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, who was your favorite character from Strangers on a Train? Mm. Probably, uh, in a, I don't know, kind of weirdly, Bruno was. Mm. Yeah. Do tell. I you think, see a lot of yourself in Bruno. No, not at all. <laughs> but it was more, I think, out of all the characters, he's the one. Because I felt like Guy was just a little too flighty. And I mean, I don't know if he was. Uh-huh. I felt he was the same throughout the whole thing, just kind of at the beginning, kind oh, of yeah, sure really himself. Wasn't a whole no. lot for guy. Yeah. No, I think I think people have criticized that about the movie. Mm-hmm. I will say the actress who played Miriam was great because I hated her. <laughs> oh yes, his, his, yes. His wife, the whole like um, I know because the whole like she wanted to divorce him, but then. Um, because she was like unfaithful mm-hmm. and didn't like him, but then like his career took off, and then she's like, "I don't want to divorce you now because now you're making money." Yeah, and it's like, "Oh, but guess what? I'm pregnant. And it's not your kid. But if you try to divorce me, I'm gonna say it's your kid. So then they're, the courts are gonna side with me." Mm-hmm. Like I was like, "Oh wow, yeah." Like Alfred Hitchcock really does not want us to like her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I honestly, I wasn't sad to see her go. Mm-hmm. Well, I know what's funny is apparently. The glasses she wore mm-hmm. um, were real glasses. Okay. And they're like super thick. Mm-hmm. And so she couldn't see with them on. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of the reason why at times like um, some of the scenes she's in, she's like right next to someone. Yeah. Because someone's helping her. Oh, okay. Um, which I think is really funny. I don't, I don't know why they couldn't make fake glasses back then. I don't know if like <laughs> the props department couldn't do that or if. There was like a weird contractual thing with optometrists. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. But I just thought that was funny that like basically she was blind the whole time. and They just had to like guide her. Yeah, that's funny. But is um, she your favorite character? No. Oh, okay. No, I just, I just, she was memorable. Yeah. 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 She's not in it that long. She's actually briefly in it. But mm-hmm. She does pack a punch. Yeah. Um, I think if they would have fleshed out Anne a little bit more. Oh yeah, then I, she would I've have also like, heard people say that. Too. Yeah, she yeah. would have been. I would have. I did like her. Anne though. I did. I, I did too. I feel like she was a stronger character than Guy. She was. Her facial expressions. Her. I mean, the way her choices and I love. Like honestly, her nonverbals were fun to watch as she was figuring things out and putting things together. Yeah. And then when she goes and confronts the mother yeah. and all of that, I was worried that she would distance herself from him, and then it would be one of those dumb things in movies where it was like. Where guy has to prove himself, and it's just like, oh, you were right. I'm sorry. I should have oh, believed yeah. you. But it wasn't like that. And I was very happy it wasn't that because I feel like that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do also like that, like she does struggle with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she does want to stand by him because she does love him. 
Mm. But like she has to figure out how to respond. Yeah. But then I like that she takes it upon herself to help him without telling him she's going to help him. Mm. Yeah. Like it doesn't really work out. And I think it does show Bruno their hand. Mm -hmm. But I do like that she went to go try to talk to Bruno's mom. Yeah. Like woman to woman, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, look, your son's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that was interesting. I think it also kind of goes to, it hints that, I don't want to say insanity, but like, I guess mental deficiencies, for lack of a better phrase, run in like Bruno's family. Because they, they yes. hint very strongly that his mom has some sort of problem. Like Bruno knows it and his father knows it. And obviously Anne figures it out. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen this kind of this idea, though, um, played out with, especially when they portray wealthy people or people who are at least doing well, is you'll sometimes have those characters, and usually they're female, in which they just can't face reality. And they kind of live in a delusional world. And it's well, it not far from more than that for her. It seemed like she really had like a mental problem. Yeah, well, it is. It can be because because in some ways, so based on my personal experience with people, I've actually seen people who are like that in kind of like that in real life, where it's the same kind of idea in which. But I think in the in the movie it was a little more exaggerated, but where they they kind of rewrite the narrative in their head in order to survive. In fact, I can think of two people right now that I, I've I've met. Where they rewrite the stories of the of what's going on around them in their heads, and they live life. Now, honestly, is it is it leaning towards a, a mental uh, issue? Yeah, it is. And so to see that in the mom and the way they 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 portrayed it, but then to know that that in some ways that deficiency was then passed on to the son. Um, it does happen, unfortunately, in real life. But it worked for the story as well. Mm-hmm. Long story short, my favorite character. <laughs> my favorite character was Barbara. She, I, okay, she was okay. She got on my nerves a little. Okay, why? I I don't know if it was just the way the actress portrayed her, but every now and then just kind of I don't but know. Like why? But give me a reason. I'm trying to remember why. I, I just remember like the way the, the way the actress portrayed her. The way was it because she just kind of came off like. Kind of snobby, like I know everything. Sort Probably, of thing. I, I think that's. If I'm she definitely had the the very matter of fact, like when when they find out that Miriam was killed, she's like, "Well, you know, they're gonna think it's you because you have the motive." Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't remember if that was it, was. it was along those lines of the way they portrayed the character. I liked her because she was very strong. Like mm. she definitely, I liked her because she was very unique. Like, yeah, she wasn't demure. Mm-hmm. She wasn't like a stereotypical woman of the fifties or whatever. Like she, she definitely had some spunk to her. She, she wasn't afraid to say what she thought, and um, but she was very friendly. Like she did mm-hmm. care about Guy. Like whereas like Anne was more of the uh, you know everything will be fine. Don't worry. Like we'll work through this. She's more like no. Let's face the facts. Things are terrible. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I think I like that. You know, mm-hmm. like everybody needs someone like that who's like going to tell you how it is. But they're still going to help you. Mm-hmm. Like I love, but I also love that she goes out of her way to to help her sister and guy. Mm-hmm. Like the whole bit about I think my favorite part with her is when um, 
she runs into the the guy tailing guy at the tennis match and then um she accidentally quote unquote gets her uh, face powder on him and yes. she's like desperately trying to get it off and distract him <laughs> she she did get better as this as the movie went on I think it was probably in the beginning that well, she... I think she comes off very childlike in the beginning. Yeah. And then as you watch it, you realize, okay, she's she's not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah no, when no, she was helping... Like by that point, by the, especially by that, that... I think from both the party scene on... Mm-hmm. Well, I think, she, I think the biggest bad. change for her character is... Because I think, I think there is a little bit of that, I'm a kid, but I know a lot, and I'm going to just tell you because mm-hmm. I know a lot, and you need to know what I have to say at the beginning. Um, and her dad's like, okay, calm down. But <laughs> yeah, which I thought was funny. I feel like her dad, their dad's barely in this film. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, he's a senator, and we like almost never see him. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole time he's just like, oh, don't worry, I'm used to scandal. You're fine. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. But um, I think the big change for Barbara is um, when Bruno is strangling that woman because he sees her in her glasses and yeah. he's reminded of Miriam. Yeah, and she gets frightened by it Mm -hmm. and and i think that's what changes her character a bit in the film i think i think she she doesn't necessarily mature after that but she definitely takes things a bit more seriously and something changes in her definitely yeah yeah and i like that Mm -hmm. that's when i started being okay with her character (laughs) when she was traumatized (laughs) pretty much he looked at her but he was strangling me (laughs) It did get a little dramatic. It did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about more, um, but that's okay. (laughs) Let's move on to throw Mama from the train. All right. All right. Shall I do the synopsis again? Go ahead. (laughs) All right. Um, Throw Mama from the Train is a 1987 American crime comedy film. It's a dark comedy starring um, Danny DeVito in his directorial debut as well. And it co-stars Billy Crystal and Ramsey, Rob Reiner, Branford, Marcellus, Kim Greist, and Kate Mulgrew. I don't think I'd call all of them co-stars, but I'm not going to argue Wikipedia. It was released on December 11th of 1987. And it had a budget of $14 million and it made $57.9 million in the box office. So it was very successful. Um, apparently the title comes from Patti Page's 1956 hit song, Mama from the Train, A Kiss, A Kiss. Yeah, whatever. Never heard of it. Yeah. Never the film was inspired by the 1951 Alfred Hitchcock thriller Strangers on a Train, which is also seen in the film. <laughs> So the the uh, the main synopsis for this is Larry Donner is an author and writer, uh, writing professor who tutors people that want to write books. Larry's life has become a misery when his ex-wife Margaret has published a book he wrote under her name and has gotten rich over it. Owen Lift, sorry, Owen Lift, one of Larry's students, offers Larry to kill Margaret, and in return, Owen wants Larry to kill his horrible mother. Larry thinks it's a joke until he learns Owen killed his ex-wife, and Larry has now become the prime suspect. There you go. Cool. This is your, so this is your first time watching it for this podcast? It was, yes. I'm just introducing you to things. Mm-hmm. Funny story. I, I, really, I think I was given way too much freedom when I was growing up with... Um, everything that my grandparents had on cable. 
Oh, okay. There are so many movies that I would come across, for better or worse, on cable. I really don't know why I was able to watch these things. And Throw Mama from the Train was one of those movies I just came across on cable. It was like HBO or something probably back in the day. I don't remember how old I was at maybe middle school. And I don't know why I enjoyed it, but I did. Yeah, no, I, I do remember my parents watching this, but I don't. I don't remember if they just didn't let us or if it just we just weren't interested. Well, it's PG-13, so. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty sure they just, if they watched it, they didn't let us. But it was, honest. I probably at the time would have thought it was boring anyway. Mm. Yeah, and, did you enjoy it? So I do tend to like dark comedies. Well, yes, me too. And so. It's not as dark as Heather's. Very true. But it, I did enjoy it. it I think was, it could have been a lot darker. <laughs> I think. Having watched Strangers on a Train first and then watching this allowed me to appreciate it in a way I would not have. Sure. Yeah. Well, see, I was the reverse because I had seen this first. Oh, okay. I, I watched this movie when I was younger and I liked it for some bizarre reason. I think it helped that I had seen Goonies as a kid and I was like, hey, that's the woman from Goonies. Oh, see, I, I didn't see Goonies until I was an adult. Yeah, but didn't, you didn't recognize the time you watched it that, hey, that's that's Mama Fratelli? No, I didn't. Really? Yeah, I've only seen... Watch movies? I, I saw it maybe seven years ago, six years ago. She's also the homeless woman in Scrooge. I don't think I've seen Scrooge. No. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. See, since I didn't get to watch Goonies as a kid, it doesn't have the same impact on me as it, as it does for most people. Because it's very nostalgic. Yeah, yeah, I didn't... Goonies never say time. die! Yeah, I, I know. I, I you're just depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a different. I was a different you were kid. A kid in the '80s. But my parents never, unless it was on TV, just we didn't watch parents. it. Parents. Well, because they didn't take us to. I mean, they took us to movies, but not very. You often. were too busy watching Star Trek: Next Generation. Yes, that I was. In fact, I was. Yeah, I know for a fact because I'm. I was editing our podcast for Secret of Nim, and you talked about how you would come home on Sundays and you had a notebook where you would keep track of everything. Wednesdays, yes. <laughs> there you go, mm -hmm. Wednesdays. That, for some reason, that was on my mind today too. <laughs> you were like, "Why am I thinking of this?" Eric must be editing the podcast. Were you editing today? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking about the. I was reading some stuff on Next Generation. I was just remembering mm. the old days. The funny thing is because. Um, listeners, I'm the one editing the podcast, so if you have complaints, I'm the one that you're going to complain to. Yes. Um, whether I listen to them or not. He <laughs> doesn't even listen to my complaints. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I can't my funny parts out. I only listen to your compliments. <laughs> I don't think I've had any, have I? Aww. I'm just kidding. Jerk. <laughs> I'm going to edit all of this out. <laughs> Anyways, the problem with editing and, and actually recording podcasts is I start to get confused on when things are being released. And I'm like, wait, no, I'm editing Secret of Nim, but that's coming up Friday. But no, we're recording for Throw Mama for the Train today, but that's not going to get released for at least a month or two. <laughs> well, yeah, we haven't really talked about that part. Nope. Nope. But anyways, sidetrack. Everything's fine. <laughs> But you enjoyed Throw Mama from the Train. I did. I did. Okay, that's yes. that's my question. That's mm -hmm. what I wanted to know. I don't know how much of it was, I mean, consciously done, but I'm sure part of it was. I liked how they reversed things. Oh, yeah, for sure. In it. Well, the the biggest thing is Albert Hitchcock was making a psychological thriller. Yes. It's very dark. It's very serious. 
and and I, I feel like somebody one day just said, you know what? What if this was a comedy? Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. They just made it a comedy. But there's a lot of changes that had to be made when you do that. Yeah. But I, I liked how the two main characters were the complete opposites of the characters from the original. Yes. Kind of. No, completely. Oh, opposite. you're right. You're right. Yeah. Because you have. That's kind, what of, kind of. Well, no, because I asked you, do you think Bruno was intelligent? Yeah. Danny DeVito's character is not no. even near intelligent. No. Nah. No, he's definitely more like Bruno's mom, I would say. Yeah. But he's he's kind of a bumbling. Very childlike. Yeah, and everything just falls into place. Like and then, he wants to kill his mom because he can't stand his mom, but mm-hmm. he also feels bad about it. Yeah. Whereas Bruno does not feel bad about it. Well, and I think dad. that's the biggest difference is because in Strangers on a Train, as an audience member, you don't want Bruno's father killed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a decent person and he's done nothing wrong. But in order to make this a comedy, you have to make the audience want his mother killed or hurt. Mm-hmm. And so to do that, they have to make her a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so once again, that, even that character is kind of the opposite from the original the yes. other film. And then the to me, the one of the best lines in, in Don't Throw Mama from the Train mm-hmm. is... The night was sultry. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, there, there was that. But no. It was it was the complete opposite description of who Billy Crystal's character was versus um why can't I think of his name? Guy. So if you remember Bruno tells Guy No yeah, Bruno tells Guy you're you're a doer or or you get things done. Mm-hmm. You know, you go out there and he's complimenting him. He's telling him that oh, yeah. you... And Larry Donner has done nothing. Exactly. Yes. And then that was the complete opposite of, yeah. of, of Billy Crystal's character is yeah. he's it, done nothing. It definitely seemed like they kind of just like workshopped this movie. Please. Like they just kind of toyed with it, you know? It's like, like just play with this, you know? But that's yeah. what I loved is that I, the how they consciously the changed. Like the, the plot was the same. same, yeah. But they changed... The, the, each character was the opposite of the right. from the other. And it other worked. Movie. It did. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's interesting about Larry Donner's character. I think that's what's interesting about both of their characters is because both of them, on the surface, want things and actually behave in ways that are sometimes reprehensible and terrible. But at the same time, you really like these characters, and there's a lot of heart to both of these characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say that, um, but it, it's, it's funny because just when you're rooting for them, they'll both do something that you're like, why did you do that? <laughs> yeah. And I will say the, the ending. I did love the ending. Yes. Also very different. Yes. I love that it was still on a train. Like, you had to have a train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they hint at it, the whole movie. Um, they're, obviously, they show strangers on a train. Mm-hmm. But um, there's the whole bit where Larry and his girlfriend are in the train, um, the kid train. And then um, she's reading the book to him, <laughs> the, the little engine that could. And then, and then um, later on, it shows, oh, darn it, what's his name? Lift. Danny DeVito's character. I don't remember the character's name. Oh, come on. Yeah. Owen. Owen. Owen, yes. <laughs> the only way I can remember is hearing Anne Ramsey <laughs> scream at him. <laughs> I told you to get the unsalted nuts. Or no, the salted ones. The unsalted ones make me choke. <laughs> I feel like you can't stand her, but you also find her so funny. Mm-hmm. Like, in reality, if you met her, you'd hate her. But in the, for whatever reason, in, in movies, like, uh, 
I can hang up my. <laughs> I was about to cuss. Christian cusses. I can hang up my own darn show. We have to put the. Uh, He's trying to kill me. If you do. I do like that part in the movie where um, Larry's trying to stop her from um, putting her shawl on the door because they had messed with the door so that she would fall. Mm-hmm. I remember. And, that. and she looks at me and she's like, "He's trying to kill me." He's like, "What?" <laughs> I told him to get the salted nuts. <laughs> originally, I read this somewhere. I don't know if it's true, but I did read it somewhere. It said originally they wanted her to die by choking on unsalted nuts. Oh. And that it was like the, a joke because she had said it so many times. Mm-hmm. That's like what, how it actually happens in the end. Yeah. And that Owen just says it like as a throwaway line at the end of the movie. But it's a, it's a joke. Yeah. yeah. But I think they ended up wanting to go with a more endearing ending. Mm. And it's like, oh, no, natural causes, you know. Yeah. Like, it's all good. But but no, I, I don't think I noticed that. I'm glad that you brought that up. I did not notice that they, they kind of switched the characters for this. Mm-hmm. Larry is definitely the more angry one and the the one who's not done anything and and Owen actually like they don't their family doesn't really have much money and it's very different. It's actually the complete opposite. It's, it's very mm-hmm. interesting. I like that. I did not notice that. Yeah. And That's why we do this. And that yeah, no, it is. There's a lot of things we from our from the our listeners have actually pointed out the ones I one at least one who I've talked to. All the things that they've learned in listening to us. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, one thing though is I did love the the uh, children's book. Yes, it was so end. cute. It's like, wait, so you we kill we we kill her in the end? No, <laughs> we have a picnic. <laughs> that actually was not what I was expecting. Yeah, you know what's funny though is I've always liked this. I I find it kind of endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. Because he he shows him the book obviously after he had mentioned that his mother has passed, mm-hmm. um, and he talks about it's like about their experience, but it's a happy version of their experience. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Which I find very I find what I like about it is he decides to remember his mom in a happier way. Yeah, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the book, at no point at all is his mom portrayed negatively in yeah. the in the kids' book. Like she's just portrayed as like a mom. Mm-hmm. Which I find very endearing. And and I think to be fair, there are times you watch the movie that, you know, Anne Ramsey, she was nominated for an Oscar for this. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. Um and I think she deserves it. Yeah. But, um, um apparently also she was like undergoing treatment for throat cancer. Oh wow. That's why she talked the way she did in the movie. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's all good for her. Mm-hmm. But no, um, there's definitely moments where you you see that she's humanized. Mm-hmm. Like she's not mean the whole time. Like there's definitely like that one time where she's like very affectionate towards Owen and she thanks him for helping her and yeah and all that. But I think you get the idea that like she's just this old crotchety woman that like over time like because <laughs> of pain and sadness and age like has just become this like upset woman. You know? Yeah. Um, like, and I, I think it's tough to find, um, you know, a heart in a person like that, but it's true. Like that there, they are people Mm -hmm. and I've dealt with people like that before. I've, um, I used to like unofficially caregive for, um, this person and, um, I'm not going to name names, but, (laughs) but, um, his wife was a very difficult woman Mm. and, 
you know, as a Christian, I'm always trying to find the, the light in the darkness. You know, I'm always trying to find the redeemable qualities. And, and I, I believe that anybody can be redeemed and if they choose to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and she was a very difficult person. And I had, and I had to, you know, hold my temper many times, hold my tongue many times, wash my temper, I guess. Mm. Um, but I was reminded a little bit of that where I'm like, this is still a person. Like, mm-hmm. And, and like, she, she has, um, um, insecurities and, and so on. Yeah. And so I like that she was in the movie, you know, mama lift was not just mean all the time yeah like it definitely looked seemed like she was um regressing as mm-hmm. a person didn't it? yeah no it did it did i thought it was it was it was interesting there was a lot of mm-hmm. the whether it's dealing with a difficult parent mm-hmm. or yeah there was a lot of a lot of deeper themes that were lightly explored, but in a way that fit with the, with what the movie needed. Right, and it's a good. It was a good choice to make her so unlikable, though, mm-hmm. because if she was a likable character, like his him wanting to kill her would just be horrible. Yeah, and, yeah, and you wouldn't want to root for him at all. And 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 I think and I think it helps with the comedy that she is so mean. Mm-hmm. I also like in this version that you get to see all the ways he wants to kill her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> though I will say, I think that's something I've noticed in a lot of dark comedies, though, is that the comedy is there, but the re- reason it's dark is because they show the reality of life through it. Right. Yeah. Yes. And that, so in the, I think they, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think they, I know they did it at least once where he's daydreaming about how he's going to kill her. Oh, they, they do it at least but, once. But no, no, no. But then he, she's nice to him after. Right. At least once. I can't remember if they do it. It's the time that he's helping her with um, getting the um, wax out of her ears. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's like, I think you got it, Sonny. And then she's like, I don't know what I'd do without you. Yes. <laughs> and then she's like, I love you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that's, I think, as a kid watching it, when I was younger, even like as a teenager, I was like, wow, this woman's a jerk. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, what is her problem? But then as an adult, you know, having faced many different types of people and my own experiences and stuff, I was I was just thinking, I was like, yeah, this this is a this is a fleshed out character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I did have a misconception about the whole movie until I watched it. Oh, okay. What is it that? started from when I was a kid. Okay. Is I actually thought this movie took place on a train for the whole movie. Oh, well, I, sure. I get that. Yeah. And so I was actually surprised that the majority of it is not on a train. I mean, there's, like you said, when she's reading the book. Literally, I think there's only like maybe not even 10 minutes on a train. Yeah. But uh, the and same thing. they only did a train at the end as an homage to Strangers on a Train. Pro- most likely. But I think, too, it was also fitting for the fight scene. Which really wasn't a fight scene. Sure. But did you know? Apparently, Anne Ramsey did those stunts herself. Oh wow! Because I found that in different sources, mm-hmm. so it has to be true. <laughs> but no, I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "What are you doing? Making a wish? What do you think I'm doing?" I actually kind of thought they would they would kill her off at that point. Mm. Uh, no, they didn't. So. I remember, I remember as a kid thinking, "How is this going to end?" Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they're gonna kill her because. 
can you come back from that? You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was a good movie. I, I enjoyed it. It's mm-hmm. it's not what I expected, but it, sure. uh, I like I how in the end, um the thing you learn about Larry's character is that he just has to let things go. Yeah. Like he has to move on. Mm-hmm. Like he can't allow this anger and this you know, there's this everything his ex-wife has done to him to control him mm-hmm. that he has to just live his own life yeah and then once he does that and he sees like what he could be in like that weird dream sequence where he's killing his wife his ex-wife mm-hmm. but then he's like killing himself yeah which i liked i, I like that they had that in there i think he's a shown the reality of, of himself you know mm-hmm. like he realizes he's not innocent like he he actually has problems and and then he can move on. Yeah. Plus, his wife was never really dead. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, to make it a comedy, I mean, to, to be fair, she could have stayed dead. But I think to to go in on theme with the comedy, but I also think to make um, Owen's character more likable as well. It's like, oh, he actually never did kill her. Mm-hmm. He is very innocent. It's like. Well, I think they hint at it a little bit early on because when he's like, oh my God, you killed her. He's like, no, I didn't. He's like, yes, I did. You know? Do you remember that? No, I'm trying to remember. When he picks Owen up from the airport or wherever, from the bus from the airport or something. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember that part. He's like, oh my God, you really did it. You killed her, didn't you? He's like, no, I didn't. And he's like, yes, I did. So they kind of hint at it Mm. that he didn't actually kill her. Yeah. And, but I think, you know, the, the whole, um, because he only killed Larry's uh, ex-wife because he wanted Larry to kill his mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it would make sense that even if he hadn't actually done it, he'd have to be like, well, I did so that you can kill my, my mom. Yeah. Yeah, no, but it was, it was a good movie. I like, uh, there's so many quotable lines in this. I like, he's, he's like, I'm not going to kill your mom. Oh, and he's like, we don't really have to do much. Like she's. She's very sensitive. You could just move around a lot. You know, you're like, hi, Mrs. Left. <laughs> <laughs> or um, when he finally goes to kill his mom and he like blows the trumpet in her ear. Yeah. And she's like freaking out. And then she like, apparently has died, but hasn't. And mm-hmm. she comes back. She's like, she's like, wow, I just had the craziest dream. Like, what is it? Um, Louis Armstrong was trying to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like those scenes. But then, you know, they really um, endear him to you in, like, those scenes with the coin collection and... Oh, Which at first seems stupid. It's like, yeah. like you're showing him a nickel and, and a dime and stuff, but then he's like, like, these need to have worth, Owen. He's like, but they do. He's like, my dad gave me this when he's it, and my dad gave me this when we went to the circus, and, and it's like, oh, Owen. <laughs> and that's one of the things that I, I liked I, was that because I've watched a couple of comedies recently, and they were okay. They were all right. I feel like a lot of modern comedies just lean too much into the comedy or like raunchiness or yes, stupidity. That's exactly why and, they and they don't give enough right. heart. Yes, and it's it, yeah. Because I think in a modern comedy that he would have shown his coin collection and that when it would have been the first part of it. Right. It was just it like oh, here's a penny. Rest, no. Here's a you know. And they would just cut to a next scene or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know that's fine. Like if you just want like a cheap comedy thrill that like you might watch again, maybe. Mm-hmm. But they're forgettable. Yeah. I feel like what makes this movie more of a classic is the heart. Yes. 
This is why I, I'm okay with the, so far with you choosing everything for us to go through is because most of the stuff I'm not, I have not seen before. And quite frankly, I don't have a lot of time to watch a lot of stuff. And so there's a lot of, you watch well, these, I mean, so far everything we've done has been good for the pod. You know, I've, I've enjoyed. Um, <laughs> you haven't hated anything. No, I haven't. <laughs> and whereas a couple of things I have been, I've watched with other people, I'm like, that's that's two hours of my life I'm never going to get back. Oh, that's a compliment. I'll take that. That's happened to me with other people, too, and some of my family members. I tell because someone was like, oh, well, you know, your podcast is about things that I'm, I'm not interested in. And I'm like, you're it. not our audience. Well, <laughs> but what I've tried to tell them was that, look, there's a lot of things you probably are going to be in. You don't know you're not going to be interested in it. Right. You're not, you don't know if, whether like or not you'll you be It's you go out for, as a kid, you go out to eat, and you're like, oh, I don't like this. And you're like, how do you know if you don't try Exactly. It? And so I told him, hey, if you listen to the podcast, you'll see whether you'll hear us talk about it. And you can decide whether you actually want to watch it or read it or not, you know? Sure. But, but yeah, this is one in which I think if you had not suggested, I probably would have finished my life without <laughs> watching it. But I'm glad, I'm glad I did. It was, it was, both movies were really good. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it's funny because in this, in, like I said, the, the the plot was the same. Like the plot stayed the same in this yes. one. Um, it just obviously leaned much more into the comedy, which meant they had to change some of the characterizations, and it was definitely more modern. And I always I always wonder in you know when they do um, adaptations where mm-hmm. it's a bit more just inspired by. Yeah, I always wonder how they get to the choices that they made. And I really tried this time to find, you know, the making of and behind the scenes and why did they do what they did? And I really couldn't find much for throwing them from the train, which upset me, but you know, the researcher in me was like, where is it? But I think a lot of the inspired by, they change it enough just to get. So I think, I feel like a lot of inspired by is either they have a message they want to get in it mm-hmm. or they want to make it more formulaic so that audiences are more likely to go see it. Sure. And, and, and in this case, I thought, like you were saying earlier, they, they, they definitely, they probably workshopped it and they sure. put thought into it, you know? Well, it also kind of makes me think, um, again, this is me you know, mm-hmm. hypothesizing. That's the word, right? Yeah, hypothesizing. Um, this is me hypothesizing. Uh, in the original one, Guy, hypothetically, wants his ex, well, his wife, not his ex-wife, he wants Miriam killed um, because, sorry, in, in Strangers on a Train, mm-hmm. um, you do not like Miriam because she was unfaithful and is terrible and mm-hmm. now is essentially kind of bribing him, yeah. Guy. Yeah, Black... Blackmailing, Black I guess, yeah. technically. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it it wouldn't have transposed as well into the 80s. Mm. I feel like you still could have. I just feel like I think they wanted to update it a bit for a more modern audience. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think I think there's just a lot of society changes that had happened mm. by that point. And I think they, they wanted to go a different direction. And I think by making it but but also you still want to make it so that everybody in the audience hates her. Yeah. 
And so they still have those elements of her being unfaithful and a jerk. But I think by having it be that she steals his book from him mm-hmm. really makes it so that nobody likes her. Yeah. Um, and so you do sympathize with Larry, um, even though he can be a jerk and he says things he shouldn't and mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I think that's what really helps sympathize you to him and you forgive him for a lot. And um, yeah. So I, I can see why they made the choices they made and it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they were in it. Yeah. They were both. Not to say that in, in Strangers on a Train, they're both winners, but one's one's wealthy, one's a tennis star. And in this one, they're basically both losers. <laughs> kind and, of, uh, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, they have they, they both won in the end, which I think was kind of was nice. Nice to see. I did I did even though they you do hate his his ex wife. They in in uh, uh, don't throw, throw mama from the train. Don't throw mama from the train. Yeah, it's, it's like throw mama from the train or throw mama from the train. Do yes. throw do throw yes. Um, <laughs> Her character was so over the top. Kate Mulgrew? Yes. <laughs> Who you know from Star Trek. Yes, actually. I, 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 the, as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, Captain Janeway. It's not my favorite of the... Of See, the I, I remember three, her but... from being on Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually thought of that as well. Yes, I did. It, that crossed my mind as well. She played a very similar character. Mm-hmm. Wasn't she in a Columbo episode too? Probably. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> no, it was good. I, I mean, I, I obviously liked it. I would want to recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, any other changes that you think we need to discuss? Sir. Not that I can think of. Cause I mean, some of the other changes were just like his friend, which was kind of like his neighbor, or not really neighbor, but his mm-hmm. friend, the, his class. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I I liked it. I I liked that it was a retelling, comedic version of Strangers on a Train, mm-hmm. and by paying homage to Strangers on a Train in the movie. Yeah. Like that's where Owen gets the idea. But he doesn't finish it. No. <laughs> he gets Clearly focused not. on that one. Yeah. That one scene. Chris Cross. <laughs> So you do your murder, you'll do mine. I'll do I'll do your murder, you do mine. Chris Cross. <laughs> the editing for that. Yes. Chris Cross. <laughs> but um I know what you're trying to tell me now, Mr. Donner. <laughs> Great. And this is uh, an easier episode for sure. Mm-hmm. Um so who was your favorite character in Girl Mom on the Train? Danny DeVito's character. Owen? Yes. Okay, why? Billy Crystal's character? I can't think of their name, so you've said it Larry Donner. Donner. Larry Donner. His character was good, but he got on my nerves a little bit at different at different times. Mm. Whereas I really liked Owen. He stayed consistent in who he was. I mean, he was kind of just a bumbling fool up until I think when the police, when uh, Larry was in the the pantry and the police were there, and it's like then you kind of he they started making him. Like just when he, you could see him coming alive emotionally a little bit, or when he would have his his visions about his mom. I, I really like that part because he was 
he was expecting that Larry would have killed his mom at that point. Mm-hmm. And so that's he doesn't let the cops in at first. But then he sees that the, the string is that he put on the door is down. Right? Yeah. And, and so, so he, he, he brings left. them in. He's like, oh, yeah. You want to say hi to my mama? <laughs> but and then they go into the kitchen. And then he's surprised to see Larry. He's like, hi. And he's like, hi, T. Hi. <laughs> and Larry just like rolling his eyes. <laughs> but... um. But then he's, like, trying to hide Larry. But then he hears Mrs. Lift go, Oh, Anne! And he's like, Mama! And he looks at him and he's like, You're alive! <laughs> he's like, Old people, you have to remind them sometimes. <laughs> but then he realizes, Oh, wait, she's alive. That means Larry hasn't done it. And then he, like, turns on Larry real hard. Yeah. And it's like he's playing with them. He's like, he's like, Can you get me the tea in the in the pantry? And then and it's like, Oh, is the cop going to find him? And he's like, Oh, wait! I have the tea here. And he's like, but you know what you could get me is the sugar. sugar. <laughs> is it in the pantry? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, I was trying to figure out in that moment as like, is, is he toying with Larry or does he actually want them to find Larry? But I couldn't tell. Yeah. I wasn't sure either. I kind of figured it. I figured because at the very end, I thought he was being spiteful and he's like, yeah, find Larry. You know? At the very end, it seemed like that, especially. So I remember what pulled them away. Why did he not? Well, Mrs. Lift comes in. Oh, that's she's right. Like, she's like, that's right. She's like, you did it. He's like, no, mom, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. She's like, you called him to take them, take me, me away. away. Yep. He's like, no, no, mama. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your favorite character? Oh, Mrs. Lift. Oh, okay. yeah. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. She did. I just Anne Ramsey did an amazing job. Mm. Yeah, you, you, you love to hate her. But at the same time, like I said, she's she was humanized and she wasn't a flat character. You know? True. She's True. so memorable. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's so interesting. I'll um, have to go back and watch Goonies. Oh, you should. I love Goonies. Such a good movie. Great. Well, um, let's do real quick um, our favorite section of the podcast, which is what type of adaptation is this? Right. Yes. And for you folks out there in um, the world listening, <laughs> clearly I'm tired. I had school and work today, okay? <laughs> um, so everybody out there, if you have not listened to the podcast before, we are going to discuss what type of adaptation this is. Um, please listen to the trailer where we talk about the four different types of adaptations. Um, yep. <laughs> We're both tired. It's been a long day. No, I yeah. I'm like, what are the four types of adaptations? You had one is um, true to the source material. The second is expanded. The third is artistic, and the last one is message driven. Yes. So, Romy, what do you suppose this throw mama from the train is? Artistic was uh, when they usually has to do with metaphors and symbolism and. Um, artistic choices like that. There are other things, but it, it's a, an umbrella statement. But usually, I consider things like that. So, like, remember, I said um, that the anachron, not anachronina, Anastasia. Mind. No, stop. Oh. Sorry, I'm fading fast. Um, <laughs> the um, Kira Knightley version of Pride and Prejudice was a bit more artistic. artistic. Okay. So wouldn't that this one then be more artistic because of the choices they made with the characters and changing things around? Is that your final answer? Because I'll tell you mine. Yes, I'll stick with that. Yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me why first. Well, because, I mean, what necessarily 
well, even the themes, even the the motivations or the themes behind the the, the main the main characters, and they they took them and twisted them around, mm-hmm. even though they kept the plot more or less the same. Mm-hmm. So you're walking yourself into my answer now. You know? Okay, go ahead. I'm gonna go with message driven. Okay, all right. Because the plot's the same, mm-hmm. but the fact that they want to make it a comedy one mm-hmm. is different. Um, and like you said, like they flip flopped on the characters, like they were trying to tell a specific story. Um, and I think like the message is, is different in the original one. It's like almost like a cautionary tale. Mm. And whereas in this one, it's more of a, you know, you need to just move past what's been done to you so that you can live your oh, life. Okay. Like that was the yeah. main message of this one. That was the heart of this one. And I feel like even in a way, that's kind of what Owen learns, right? Like Owen, yeah. Owen kind of learns what Larry learns just earlier and a little different. Mm-hmm. Like he learns, like when he learns his mom's actually going to die, he doesn't want her to die. Like he actually wants to save her because yeah. in the end it is his mom. Mm-hmm. Even though she can be a jerk to him, like he does love her and he's going to get past the terrible things that she's done. Yeah. So that's, that's my answer. Message driven. No, I can see that. And then, it's but yeah no there was another one too I'm trying to think what it was what another uh, message but my mind went blank in strangers on not in, in throw them all from the train and throw them all from the train yeah mm-hmm. well I think one of the other differences sidetrack is um, his girlfriend's like not helpful at all in this one yeah <laughs> like she she doesn't want to throw him under the bus but at the same time she. She is not very helpful. Yep. And she kind of disappears like halfway through the movie. Yeah. Whereas in the original one, she's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Is like, I would say she's like the bulk of the story, actually. Yeah. Cool. Oh, the other message I think was was also along the lines of, of what Owen learned regarding his mom. That was kind of something I picked up at the end was and how he was able to rewrite the story and remember, you know. Mm-hmm. He's so, dwelling on the on the good things. Yeah, yeah. Because I, it, what also shows because he didn't have to include her in the story. True. If you think about it. Yeah. Like, because he calls it, he calls it, um, my adventures. He calls it, um, with Larry. Larry, Larry Owen, Owen's, always Owen's, Owen, Owen's mama and his friend. I can't remember what it is, but it's the three of them. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is like not a great title, but whatever. <laughs> it clearly doesn't matter. But um. Because if you think about it, he didn't have to include his mom in that story. Mm-hmm. Like it could have just been um, him and and Professor Donner and and like because it's like him in class with Professor Donner. It's mm-hmm. like him on the train with with Larry and his girlfriend, and then it's like him meeting his mom. Yeah, and then like the three of them going on a picnic, mm-hmm. the coin collection, and then them going on a picnic. Yeah. So, like, technically, like, he didn't actually have to include the mom other than, like, maybe meeting her. Mm. But the fact that he did include her and made her a good character, like, really says a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's why I said I like that. I, I found it very um, heartfelt. Mm-hmm. I agree. Cool. Yeah. Great. Well, I, I enjoyed this one. It was definitely an easier one to do because it was just uh, two, two movies. movies. <laughs> <laughs> it beats reading... um. All the pages. I love to read. Don't I, read. Yeah, Don't I do I love too. To read, but... but life's been very busy lately. And we have a lot to read. That's why we find ourselves this. recording at 10 o'clock at night. Is it? Oh, geez. Yes, it is. 
All right, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Again, if you have any ideas, suggestions for future episodes, please let us know. We we always love to hear from you. Uh, we're always open to further adaptations to discuss. Surprise us. And, yes. And if you have compliments, love to hear them. Complaints, talk to Romy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, feel free to email us. Also, if Have we can... had any emails? No, not yet. But to be fair, we barely we like, just, started. We just started, yeah. Okay. Also, you could play, leave a review. Great. Well, thank you again for listening. We do appreciate all of you. This is something Romy and I do for fun. Mm-hmm. Some people have hobbies where they go and I don't know, make beverage eggs. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what people do. Some people have hobbies where they, you know, go do woodworking, which I try to do, and people who like to go and paint and whatever. But this is what we do. You know. Yes. So culture reading. If it's movies. successful, great. If it's not, we still enjoy it. And we hope you enjoyed listening to us. Great. All right, y'all. Take care out there. Uh, We'll see you you later. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Willing to Adapt. Please like and subscribe. Maybe leave a review or just share us with friends and family. We would also love if you would follow us on social media. If you have ideas for future episodes for us, please email us at ericandromi at willingtoadapt.com. That's Romy with an I. And remember... When the only thing constant in life is change, be willing Willing to to adapt. adapt.